over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. Grandpa is dead because she cut off his head on the Attack of the Killer podcast show. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Welcome, one and all, to Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and pack your bags because it's off to Grandmother's house. This is episode 253, and we will be discussing killer grandparent movies. Oh, just when you thought it was safe to go to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Oh, no. Oh, no. If you haven't listened to our show before, and this is your first time, we'll be gentle. We'll ease it in. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends, get we get together, we pick a topic, and we discuss films within that topic. We're just friends hanging out, talking horror movies, so there may be spoilers. Just warning you. It's a good chance. We here at Attack of the Killer Podcast try our very best to bring you all, to bring you all the best possible show we could do for you. Now, producing a show like ours isn't cheap. And you can be a huge help by supporting the show through our site called jointheattackers.com. Please help us. <laughs> when you do go to jointheattackers.com, you can pick the tier at the level you want to support. And when you do, you become an attacker. Attackers are a special fan base that allows you to all kinds of exclusive content. We will have a lot of cool stuff. We have a lot of cool stuff, and you can get that by becoming an attacker. You can get bonus episodes, different video series, such as video updates, Insane Mike's Women at Top Ten lists, killer critiques. You can get an official membership membership card and certificate and sticker. You can also get Mikey's Monsters, original art by me, where I draw you as a monster. You can even get your very own Attack of the Killer podcast t-shirt. All this and more. So again, just go to jointheattackers.com, help support the show, and get all the goodies you desire. Okay. It's that time. It's that time, folks. It's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He helped his grandma stop biting her nails by hiding her teeth. Andy, everybody. <laughs> hey, how's it going? He has his grandmother's phone number on speed dial. He calls it his Instagram. Dad! <laughs> hey, guys. New year, better jokes. I like this. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> he says better his... Gr- subjective. <laughs> he says his grandmother makes cookies faster than anyone else. It takes her nanoseconds. Jason! Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you and spoke too soon on better I did. jokes. I did. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. This is going to be a fun show. We've got some great movies to talk about. Heck yeah. Uh-huh. Speaking of movies, <laughs> and speaking of horror, do you like horror? Oh, man. Do you like I movies? Question, I, I question that after this episode. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch them and so much more in the world of horror. On the best streaming service for horror out there called Shudder. 
know, you should really sign up, sign up for Shudder. Like, seriously. Bring it up right every freaking episode. You should be embarrassed <laughs> if you don't have it by now. Uh-huh. So, if you claim to be a horror fan, you should do it. Just get Shudder right now. It's an amazing time because there is an awesome collection of Italian Jalo films on there. Check out. Awesome. I love it. I love it when they throw in a bunch of Italian Jalo films. But not only that, but I just noticed a bunch of stuff came up for January that's really cool, too. A bunch of, like, weird and obscure, like, 70s horror films I've never seen before. It's exciting. But you don't know that, do you? Why? Because you don't have Shudder. So do it. Get it. And if you're still not convinced, try a month on it for free from us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Enter our promo code AOTKP. Begin your journey into the world of all things horror. That promo code is AOTKP. Get shuttered today. Now, we just recently recorded our two-part top 10 of 2021. We did it in one night to kind of pull back the curtain here in a little bit. That way we could have a little bit of a break, our own little holiday break, as you, you know, some might say. But during that time, I'm sure we all had tons and tons of free time to watch a bunch of stuff. So here's Uh Tad with what we watched. What we watched. Hey guys, the first what we watched of the new year. Um, If you're not an attacker, you're missing out on us talking about non-horror movies in the most recent bonus episode. Um, so some of those might sort of overlap here, but it's been a while, so I guess I'm hoping that we, we've seen plenty, but not too much. Um, Andy, what have you watched? <laughs> I watched uh, a heck of a lot. Um, I, I did watch uh, Matrix uh, Resurrections, um, and, I, and I enjoyed it, but I mean, it should almost have like a different title called Met. Uh, matrix expositions because there's just a hell of a lot of explaining to going on for like a newer audience, but there's really no way of getting around that. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, it's good to see Doogie Hauser, um, being like, you know, the head bad guy. That was, that was cool. Um, Let's see, I watched a lot of uh, TV. I, I binged uh, F is for Family, which is the best animated series going right now, in my opinion. I really, yeah, I need to hit that up, but the new season's out. Yeah. Um, I Since uh, I am a total Karate Kid nerd, I binged uh, season four of uh, Cobra Kai. Me too. Still, still fun. Still, you know, I'm still right there. Um trying to think of anything else before i start going into dv uh a lot of the blu-rays that i got but um yeah i think i think that's pretty much all that i wanted to talk about you know uh streaming wise uh i got a lot got a bunch of stuff in from uh vinegar syndrome and i'll just start uh, i know tad showed this at his birthday party and i've been wanting to watch this i watched uh the indonesian film mystics in bali I got to watch a uh, decapitated head with lungs, esophagus, and intestines and fangs <laughs> suck, 
suck a baby out of an Indonesian woman's womb. So yeah, um, you did good, good times. And plus the, this cackling, witch, which drove my wife nuts was great. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, ev- apparently everything is just piss ass hilarious in Indonesia because this woman is constantly laughing. Um, the yeah, Crypt Keeper yeah, has that got, great. I freaking love that movie. Yeah, it's just it's completely nuts. And I had <laughs> if you take it for what it is, you'll have a good time. Um I also did watch uh Venom Let There Be Carnage, because I got that recently. Um touched on that, you know, just a, a MCU uh, movie that I like. Um I did order uh, Dario Argento's uh, Trauma, which I it's, which is a Jello that I've never seen. Um, really, kind of liked it. Um, lots of piano wire, very young Ozia <laughs> uh, Ar- Argento and uh, Piper Laurie, which I didn't realize she was in this. After you know, you get to see her head roll off. Nicholas, 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 Nicholas. Which um, every time she said Nicholas that way, it reminded me of. Uh, the pit and the pendulum when uh, Vincent Price is getting taunted by his uh, wife that's cheating on him because she's always going, Nicholas, all that. Uh, yeah, it's good. I, I recommend that. And um, there's one that's, uh, that I bought, and sometimes I should trust my intuition, which, but they said it was crazy, and it is, but it is crazy, crazy bad. It is called Devil Story. Have you guys heard of this yet? Uh, no, I don't nope. think so. It is a French film, and it is fucking nuts. It's but basically, you've got a deformed guy in France wearing a Nazi SS outfit, killing people, and then his gypsy mother wants to bring back his sister or daughter. It, I don't know, but anyway, during this thing there's this other couple that goes to this chateau and they think that this girl that's at this chateau looks like their daughter which doesn't make sense because they start going after her and then during this resurrection ceremony a sarcophagus from an abandoned ship from a shipwreck comes out so there's a mummy so there's weird zombie people there's mummies uh, there's and then the ship resurrects itself coming out of a mountain. I'm not making this up. Um, and there's a possessed horse that doesn't stop whinnying for <laughs> fucking a straight 45 minutes. So yeah, it is very irritating and very fucking weird. And actually, the only thing that's really cool about this Blu-ray is they interview Frank Hennenwater about it, and he just goes. <laughs> Um, he just goes, I don't think it's a really per- a bad film per se. He just goes, it's certainly not a good film, but it is a film. <laughs> and he just goes, and he gave you the best piece of advice. Just, just hang on. Um, because it's weird as hell. It doesn't make any sense. It's cut bad. He just goes, when that mummy comes out, my brain just shuts off. You just, just, just go, just, just watch and see what happens. And that's good advice because turn your brain off, turn it the fuck off. And I don't recommend it, which I've probably <laughs> already sold it like a motherfucker already. Definitely to me. But um, Devil Story, um, it's uh, it's a French film, and it it looks like it's like shot on video. And but I would say the special features are better be- because they're ragging on this. But it is just a weird, 
weird film. And the last one um, that I bought, and I'm so, so happy that I did. Um, it's a comedy, but I but I bought it based on the trailer, and I think there's around 400-some copies left, and I strongly suggest that all every single one of you guys buy this because it's hilarious. And I'm talking to you, Tad, because this should be in str- <laughs> strong contention for a your uh, birthday movie next year. Okay. And it's called Commando Ninja. Have you guys heard of this yet? Sounds awesome. Okay, there's the trailer is on Vinegar Syndrome, and it is hilarious as hell. It's it's shot, um, uh, kind of like Grindhouse style, poppy and scratchy. But all it does, it's it's a French guy made this, but it's dubbed in English, but it's dubbed poorly on purpose for comedic reasons. They rat. It's about this Vietnam veteran that um trained as a ninja in vietnam apparently from you know because he was a pow but the guy said he had ninja blood in his system okay (laughs) and then later on it cuts back and forth between 1986 and vietnam when this guy was in vietnam right and his you know his platoon some of them are racist and they're they're assholes and and then they come back with like mechanical arms but they rag on and they, they just rip off the predator because, you know, of the vision thing, the, the camouflage. They rip on the Terminator, and that part is hilarious. They rip on every single ninja movie that canon ever made. And it's, it's so damn funny. I just, guys, if you get a chance, go to <laughs> um, Vinegar Syndrome, and it's, it's under the partner label. It's under uh, ETR Media. And uh, I'm looking at the cover here, and it says, Eric Carlisi, a film by Ben Combs, Commando Ninja, 50 cent per commando, 50% ninja, 100% American. Oh, my. (laughs) And uh, the reason why he goes out on this uh, killing spree and stopping these people, these evil drug lords, right? Because his daughter gets kidnapped, so they're ragging on Commando. And this little girl is even dressed like Alyssa Milano when she's kidnapped in Commando. That's how hardcore they 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 did this. And when the girl gets kidnapped, she's playing like 8-bit Nintendo. She's got Ninja 3 domination posters on her wall and Rambo and Predator and all this shit. So, I mean, that's, it's just like this really silly love letter to every single 80s action movie that was ever made and it's and then they go into like post-apocalyptic stuff dude i mean it's just it's so out there but it's so damn funny and i just i really 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 want you guys to see this because i think you'll get a freaking kick out of it commando ninja uh by ben combs eric khaleesi please 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 watch it <laughs> I, re- I really want you to want you guys to know to know what you think. I mean, you may where, have to buy you it. See it. I was say, where'd you see it? I saw it on Blu-ray because I ordered it um, from uh, Vinegar Syndrome, and it should be under their partner labels because Vinegar Syndrome doesn't actually put this out. Okay. It's uh, F uh, ETR Media. We'll just all come over and have a movie party. There you go. I I would gladly show it to you. <laughs> It's because it's freaking hilarious, and I'm, and they're looking to make a sequel. Uh, it should be on Kickstarter now because this was actually a Kickstarter movie. But uh, yes, it's it's so much fun, and I can't recommend it enough. And I'm gonna stop talking about it now. 
<laughs> I'm done. That's that's all I got. Okay, Mike, what have you watched? Well, I brought it up on the bonus episode, so I won't dwell on it too much, but Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, it was freaking awesome. Uh, I've been also watching um, The Righteous Gemstones. Have any of you guys seen or heard of this series? Yes. No. It's on HBO Max. It's got John Goodman, uh, Danny McBride, um, Adam Levine. And it's freaking hilarious. It is. I, I'm really, really digging it. Um, I'm, you know, the season two it just uh, just came out not too long ago, and it. But as a matter of fact, the third episode just popped uh, yesterday, so I already watched it. That's how you know I like marathon the first season, and now I'm just like hooked in. It's just it's it's really really funny. It's a family of. <clears throat> um. Uh, TV evangelists and like, you know, John Goodman is the, is the dad and he has his, his uh, two sons and, and a daughter that uh, also um, work in the church with him. And, and oh, it's, 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 you know, I don't know. I feel like, you know, Danny, Mc, you know, Danny McBride, people love him or hate him. Um, I'm definitely in the love camp, but I can understand. I can understand yeah. hating him because he's just kind of he's kind of one note. But the thing is, it's like he is a master of that one note. It's a good so, note. <laughs> yeah, it's a great note. And and his freaking and his freaking mutton chops in this show is freaking <laughs> glorious, legendary. Yes. So I highly recommend that. That's on HBO Max. Uh, definitely it has, check it out. Uh, Walton Goggins too, right? Um. I don't remember who Walton Goggins Love that is. guy. You don't remember Walton Goggins? He was in House of Thousand Corpses and yeah. um, a million. I think, he, what was it? He was on a Hateful TV Eight. show. Justified, Hateful Eight, Predators, Django. I don't know, maybe? I just can't Pre- think of yeah. who no. he is. He, he's on it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I loved okay. him in Predators. He was awesome. Um. So yeah, check that out. I uh, also watched Being the Ricardos. Me too. Yeah, I know Me you did. Me I know you did. I heard your podcast. Um, That's why I watched it. <laughs> kind of, sort of, why I watched it too. That and like I, I had kind of fallen down into the Lucy rabbit hole for a little bit. It was a another podcast I was listening to that did a really good series on her, her whole history and life and everything. Um, and it was it was okay. I you know have some issues with it tonally. I just feel like uh, um, it's kind of. When it jumps through time, um, you know, I mean, the whole movie takes place like the week of them doing a doing an episode, which is like the same week where it comes out that she was investigated for being a communist, um, and so and then it, then it'll like just randomly jump back and forth to like the past when they first meet or when she got her first movie or when she was working in radio and stuff like that, and the transitions to that is extremely jarring to the point where I got confused a few times of like, where am I? What's going on? So, you know, I thought that could have been done better. And as much as I enjoyed the talking heads part of it, I felt like we didn't really need it. Cause here's the thing with like anything I've ever watched as far as learning about Lucy herself and whatnot, it's always documentaries about talking heads. So now here is this, um, you know, this, uh, narrative film biopic and they still have to include talking heads into it. So, you know, I, I just kind of 
I didn't really care for that. Um, never been a big Nicole Kidman fan, but I thought she did a great, uh, a great Lucy. And I can't ever remember his name. Um, that plays, uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah. I thought he was great too. He did a great job as, as Ricky. Um, so, uh, so saw that I, I mean, I recommend it even though it does have some, some issues, uh, for me anyway. And then I also watched, um, finally, finally got around to watching and freaking loved it and hate myself for never watching it sooner, especially the year that it came out. Cause it would definitely would have been in my top 10, but, uh, love and monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Finally watched that. And isn't it great? You know what I loved about it, and especially loved about it watching it around the same time as I watched Don't Look Up, is that uh, for once there's a a post apocalyptic um, movie where the world is destroyed and people are everybody's dead and there's humans surviving underground, but there's actually decent human beings right. in the society of this post apocalyptic world. Uh-huh. Like the monsters are monsters and the humans are are human for the most part. I mean, there's some bad guy humans towards the end, um, but it's you know it's like anytime he would run into somebody in the wild, I'm like, oh great, they're gonna be like some kind of like asshole. It's gonna try to kill him or take his stuff or whatever, you know. But like. And of all people, Michael Rooker, <laughs> right, right. being the nicest guy out of everybody in the movie, I'm like, wow. So yeah, I appreciate. I loved it for that. I thought that was awesome. It was a definitely a new, a lot more fun take on a post apocalyptic world than I'm definitely used to, and I recommend it for that um, alone. But on top of that, the monsters were freaking cool looking, and they were amazing. So that's what I watched. All right, Jason. Uh, you guys already talked about some of the. I haven't really actually watched a whole lot, but um, I watched The Matrix Resurrections and I freaking loved it. The I'm a huge, gigantic fan of the original trilogy. I love all all three films hmm. a lot, and so it was just. It just I don't know. I was so excited that they were coming back to this world, and I got to just be back there again. And I thought, you know, they did it really fun and smart and cool. And I just loved it, man. It was awesome. I too watched. uh, I was just going to say, is it a spoiler to sort of talk about what it is like the premise of this one? Or do we not want to even touch on that because it's still pretty new? Um, well, I think, yeah, we'll leave it alone. Yeah, maybe so. It's pretty new. Watch it. Yeah. If you like The Matrix, it's The Matrix. Uh, yeah, being the Ricardos was outstanding. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, mainly because it has my favorite writer of all time was the writer-director. But did you feel like it was t- t- a Sorkin movie first and a Lucy movie second? I sort of felt that way. Did you? Uh, I I see what you're saying. Like he turns L- Lucille Ball into an, a typical Aaron Sorkin Character. I I didn't so I I know what you're saying but I think Nicole Kidman was uh it was her movie like she was powerful and and took charge in the attention of the movie not the writing it was her um I didn't think it the writing had sorkinisms um as far as its speed and quality but I didn't think it was um, as 
speedy and as it has been before. Like it was smart. And I, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I had such a great time watching her command every scene. And I just, I thought she was so great. And, um, I thought it was all about her. Not some, I didn't, I, I could, I could feel the Sorkin-ness, but it didn't, I didn't think it overpowered it to me, I guess. That's good. Yeah. So therefore it was kind of a best of both things. And I, you know, just the whole story itself and how stupid we used to be as humans. Um, and then we used to be, yeah. I know, I know. (laughs) He just said, don't look up, watch that. Um, and then I was super excited I know this is on Tad's list, but I got to see the new Peter Jackson movie Oh, mm-hmm. and was super stoked about it because Peter Jackson made a new movie. About freaking time. I know. And what's sad, you know, what's obvious about it. I've heard him on some podcasts is that, you know, we got really excited that he was going to be restoring his first movies and we're like, now we're all sitting around waiting where are those? I thought he was in this because of this movie. He just happened to fall into his lap, um, getting to do the Beatles, uh, get back. And we've all seen, well, maybe not all of us, but you know, uh, there's a million documentaries already. There's already a movie about all this that came out, but, uh, it's really kind of amazing. I, I mean, I know that I have a personal, Maybe connection as a musician myself, um, but just the thought of like, hey, you get to hang out in a room with the Beatles for a couple weeks, and it fucking feels like it, because one of the cool things about what he did is he, he cleaned up all the footage and took out all the graininess, the things that let you be reminded that it's film. And cleaned it up so it feels, and fills the frame with it. So it's not, you know, it doesn't feel like film in any way, really. Hmm. And so it's like straight up documentary, like you're there. And it's such a cool thing about it. Like, I just, I couldn't, I I don't know. I was just like, man, I couldn't take my eyes off of John. I'm just like. Look at that fucking guy. He's right there, and I'm hanging out with him as he uh, yeah. gives shit to the other guys. And his- uh, I sort of like when I heard about it and people talking about it, I was a little bit late to it um, because just hearing that it was eight hours long, sure, was sure. daunting. And I'm Absolutely. like, what the fuck am I like? I like the Beatles, but do I like uh-huh. anything that much? And then I start watching, and I'm like. In my head, I'm like, it's literally just like it's hours and hours of them yeah. sitting in a room hanging out. And I'm like, why do I enjoy this? I and, why, and why do I just keep watching? And then I'm like, you know, six hours in and I'm like, I'm so freaking hooked. Why is this so addictive? Like, why? I don't, I still don't quite understand why I liked it so much. I know. I know. You're, and it's like, there's a very loose premise, you know, storyline wise, you know, like these guys are like, you got two weeks to write a whole record and then we're going to put it out some way in some form of a concert, maybe ready, go. And then they, and it's the end of the days of them. So, which, you know, they didn't know then. So there's that going on. You don't realize that the climax of the film, that um, legendary performance on top of the roof was going to be the last time they ever played together. 
just just seeing them work together as a band it's just such a again oh, yeah. I, I know I, I I'm I, I'm taking it the, personal because the, the band dynamic is interesting um, makes George you, quit in the quit the band in the middle of this right and I, I don't know a lot of, I've seen different takes it's funny some people are like man like I'm surprised Paul let this come out it makes him look really bad other people are like. I th- I have more respect for Paul after watching this because uh-huh. it's and, and like it's interesting to see how different perspectives um, shape how you feel about band members. But um, you know you're you're watching like literally magic happen. Like you're watching some of the best music <laughs> of all time like come out in real time. You know, like it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, seriously, four of the greatest musicians making some of the most three in Ringo, but um, amazing songs that have ever been written in human history, you see them being born and worked on. In real time. In real time and turned into these, oh my God. And then, and just, they're fucking off half the time too because they're still kids, you know? Oh, they're, half they're the fucking, time they're they're fucking playing off other like soul. 80% yeah. of the time. I know. Yeah, that was like nerve wracking. I'm like, you guys got like three days and you have two songs sort of roughly written and you're supposed to come out with 14 in like two days. No wonder. Like I felt for uh, uh, George because I'm just like, you know, he's trying and it's clear that they're like, you know, John and Paul are the legends and they're like, you know okay, who are you by the way? And not, not quite that bad, but it just sort of had that dynamic of like, he'd be like, I wrote the song last night and they're like, Cool. Anyways, um, let's fuck off for four hours. Right. Yeah, it was just such a fucking cool thing to. Yeah, like they're just goofing around, and then when it's go time, they suddenly just have one of the, you know, twelve of the greatest songs ever. Just it's just it's the magic is just those guys were legit. I was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. I'm watching it over you know time like i i didn't sit and binge obviously but i would uh yeah me too you know watch it in pieces and there was a part like like if i would have like a random hour i'd be like okay i'm gonna you know get an hour done and um nikki had just fallen asleep on the couch and i was like i'll just throw it on you know before i go to bed i have like excuse me an hour left in like episode two and it's like soon as she falls asleep on the couch i hit play and it's when uh um oh gosh uh john and uh uh what's his lady's name uh yoko yoko john and yoko are doing their like experimental scream music oh yeah and i'm like god like this is the worst time yeah like she just fell asleep like she's gonna fucking hate me it's just like her like getting like putting her the microphone back into the amp to get feedback as she screams and john's like just smashing cymbals and even Paul gets in on the and he's on the drums fucking off and it's like like worst timing ever. But just to, yeah, and to see that to see uh which take that we're watching is the take that ends up on the album. Mm-hmm. They, when they show that it's just behind the scenes. It's so, all right, this isn't the Beatles podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, I I want one for like every album now. Like I know. <laughs> anyways, get back. It was pretty great. And that's what I watched. What'd you watch, Tad? I watched mostly everything that you guys did. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I went and saw Nightmare Alley in theaters. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Del Toro. I, I I really liked it, but it felt like um, not a step backwards, but it's like for a guy who won Best Picture, like why why is he still having trouble getting the things he really wants made 
made. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't get that either at this point. Like th- this had a huge cast, obviously a huge budget, and the studio clearly did not give a fuck. It was under Fox Searchlight, which Disney oh. owns now. And they're just like, they put it out against Spider-Man and they knew it was going to just fall on his face um, at the box office. It's like, he deserves so much better. And this movie was great, but it just felt sort of like Del Toro just, he made what he could. And it's like, you know, and it's it's really, really fantastic. Even the worst Del Toro is better than most people's best, but it's like, it felt like Del Toro light. Like I, it didn't feel like, like he's not doing what he passionately wants to, you know, um, I, I really liked it. I definitely recommend it. Really fantastic performances from Willem Dafoe and Bradley Cooper and Tony Collette and uh, Rooney Mara and uh, Ron Perlman. And I mean, just the cast is stacked fucking to the roof. Uh, just so good. But, you know, like I said, give him just let him do what he wants, guys. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, and that's, I, feel, I just feel like this isn't exactly what he wanted to do. It just sort of like fell onto him like you, you will we'll finance this instead of you know what he really wants to do but um i also watched don't look up scary um look at where things are now and what could be in the future um being the ricardos was a lot of fun i did a whole podcast on that uh beatles get back was fantastic um matrix resurrections was cool spider went spider-man no way home was fantastic but i also finished dexter new blood does any, anybody uh, catch up on dexter nope. yeah haven't seen it yet Man, what like I can't think of many times where a series ends on a bad note and then the original showrunner that wasn't there for the last several seasons comes back and gets a do over um, with like a limited series. But uh, this should be an example of how to do it. Um, good, good. Yes, yes. It's it ended, encouraging to watch it. Yes, a fantastic new season, a fantastic uh end to it uh to get a redo is is great and i think it redeemed the show um good i watched uh yellow jackets uh so fucking good um just one of those things where i i had dexter showtime for dexter so i was like i'll check out one show you know one episode yeah and then uh, i actually ended up liking this way more than that i think this (laughs) might be one of my favorites of uh in a long time i mean just fucking uh, any horror fan, I highly recommend the show. This is another huge stack cast. I, I mentioned on every episode for the last two months, um, but Yellow Jackets was great. And then the big one that I saw, Scream 2022. I can't believe like none of you guys have seen Scream. Yeah, I want to. I'm working on it so this weekend. Yeah. I, I can't talk about it because no one's seen it, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to talk about it tomorrow night on like a three-hour podcast, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> yep. but man, uh, Radio Silence, those guys killed it. I think it's it's fucking great. Felt like a Wes great. Craven movie. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I went in completely blind. No trailers, nothing. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I, I, had, I had a blast. That's what I'm planning yeah. on doing. Had a blast. So uh, you guys are walking a minefield. Don't get on the internet if you haven't. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, still, I saw good. some. I was like, I saw some spoilers today, and I was like, God yeah. damn. I still haven't seen yeah. Spider Man, so I definitely neither oh, have I. Christ, oh, wow. scared to be on the internet. So yeah, you should. You guys haven't had either of those spoiled yet. Nope. Wow. Jesus no. Christ! I had Spider Man spoiled like three days before it was released in theaters. Yeah. yeah I hate some people. some asshole was at. I don't. I don't even know how they got it. They posted pictures. 
on like a group that was completely unrelated to movies at all. It was for a theme park. It was a theme park group, and this guy just went in and, and was posting screen captures. The uh, the ending of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, it hints at uh, those two series linking up. That's my only uh, hint, you know, because like, like I'll spoil a little bit for you because Venom sees like Peter Parker on a television screen because they him and Eddie Brock, you know, they go back to Mexico and Venom just kind of looks at the screen and just goes that guy yeah i can't wait for you to see how that turns out in spider-man cool 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 won't spoil anything but that's what i watch all right thanks ted uh so up next is your chance to vote for which of us is correct in this week's question none of the above (laughs) here's jason with pole position now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. All right, let's take a quick look back on episode 250. It's been a while. We didn't do it on the award shows, but um, episode 250, the question was, what is the best Christmas horror double feature? Y'all remember your answers? I'll tell you, Insane Mike says, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and a Christmas Horror Story. Those are correct. Uh huh. Jason said Krampus and better watch out. Tad says Black Christmas 74 and Rare Exports. And Andy says Gremlins and A Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh my guys. In last place, we got, that's unexpected, Andy with 8%. Aww. I know. He had the two Those biggest movies. I know. Yeah. Well, I guess you I'm, unwholesome motherfucker. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think too. Yeah, I think he's got the the most wholesome yeah. out of all of them too. Yeah. It's more. It's the most Christmas. It is. Yeah, but but think about who is voting and our exactly. listeners. They they this wanted to vote for An- they wanted to vote for Andy on the uh, Taylor Swift one. So yes, way <laughs> no, too not, much. Well, a, a whole different version of wholesome. Okay. <laughs> all right, and then uh, so there's a. Two way, there's a tie for second and third. So I guess we'll say the winner with 42% was Tad. What? Of course. Actually, yeah, I would, I have to give it to him. I mean, Black Christmas. You and I got 25%. So Tad got, Tad ran away with it. All right. So for this episode, the question is what is your. Favorite TV horror from 2021. And let me do this quick little random number generator. Here we go. Are we doing this draft style, like snake draft style? Yep, snake draft style. Oh, crap. Insane Mike gets the first pick. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Uh, Andy gets the second pick. Dang it. And then Tad gets the third pick. Dang it. And then I get the fourth pick. So, Insane Mike... Dang it. You were up first. And two of them, right? Nope. Just your you first get one. You oh, get one, one and then the last one. So you get number one and number eight. Wow, shit. Well, number one, I'm going to go with my personal favorite of 2021. And that was season three of yep. What We Do in the Shadows. <sighs> you suck. You suck. Take that, that one off the list. Everyone's number one. Okay. <laughs> suck it. All right. Andy, you're up next. 
second I pick. really only have two, but um, I'm going to have to go with, and I think only Tad and I saw it. I'm going with brand new cherry flavor. Ooh. Goes off the list. <laughs> brand new cherry flavor. Shadows. Okay, Tad, you're up next with the third pick. Oh, I'm taking a big one then. Chucky. Ooh, that was, that's a bummer. Dang it. All right. Oh, you have anything shoot. left? Oh, I got, I got, I picked, I got eight ready just in case. Jesus. No oh. wonder you haven't watched very many movies lately. You just watch all TV. Um, I'm going to go with, for my first pick, is The Last Drive In. Shit. Uh huh. Good choice. And then, since that's going to snake- be a, a good voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick. That's why I was gonna almost. That's why I could put some of them. Up. Okay, so my next pick. Ah, do I go votes or do I go with my heart? Go with your heart. That's what I'm gonna go with. That's. So I don't trust you for a second on that. <laughs> you were so sincere. Is there, is there, even, is there even? I was gonna say, is there even any good vote ones left? Oh, there's. Oh, oh. you should see my list. Um. All right. I'll go with my heart, and it was my favorite of the of the year was Midnight Mass. I, I see. I didn't see it, yeah. so and you that's know why I should have. Yeah. I knew it wouldn't get picked. All right, Ted, you're back. I have two left, and I'm deciding which one again: heart or votes. Heart, you say? Be, I, I, because I told you that, <laughs> and you went with that. I'm going with my heart, even though I know no one else has seen it, and no one else is going to vote for it. Uh, Yellow Jackets. Ooh, cool. Gotta watch the show. All right, Andy, you're up with your last pick. My last pick. Um well oh, there's some I good guess ones left. I will go with uh Creep Show on yep. uh Shutter. Shit. That was it. Shit. Mm. Didn't love this season. All right, Mike, you're up with the last pick. Um <laughs> Do you need help? Maybe. There's a couple. Can I have it? No. Because you don't think I can see from that far. You, that's why you come prepared. See this? this? Okay, I thought about saying that anyway, just because I've been watching that I've started watching the oh. show finally, and I'm nowhere close to that season. But season 10 of American Horror Story. Ah, uh, yes. All right. It does have Macaulay Culkin. That's really all it's got going, but... All right, just to recap, Insane Mike's picks are What We Do in the Shadows, an American Horror Story. Andy picked Brand New Cherry Flavor and Creep Show. Tad picked Chucky and Yellow Jackets. And I picked The Last Drive-In and Midnight Mass. All right, everybody, get your votes in. See who picked the best TV horror of 2021. Get your butts over to Twitter at AOTKP. And that's Pole Position. Cool. All right. Well, I think it's time we talk about some movies. Oh, yeah. So get out the mothballs and put in your teeth because <laughs> now it's time to talk about killer grandparent flicks. Andy, where are we going to start? <laughs> we are going to start in 1988 to a film called Grandmother's House. Every old house has one room that's always locked. This is where the house keeps its secrets. Ghosts of the past 
and sins long forgotten. This summer, David is snooping around his grandparents' farm. And there's only one door he hasn't opened. What's wrong, David? You look so pale. Why are you looking at me like that? I was thinking maybe he didn't see it. What gets me is when they go snooping and poking around a house. I can think of some places that I wouldn't want to stick my nose in your house, Spike. custody of the state for 12 years. She escaped from the hospital in Jamestown yesterday. They lied to us, man. Drop the gun, boy. Grandmother's house. You're invited. Grandmother's house. A Nico Mastarakis production from Omega Entertainment. Okay, an adolescent boy and his teen sister move into their grandparents' home after their father's death. The boy dreams about his grandfather murdering a woman, and later he sees the same woman stalking the siblings, and things go awry when the siblings are confronted by a dark past. Okay. <laughs> Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go, which is what Mike said at the beginning of this episode, which is um, the direct amount of out of the way I would go to not watch this movie again. <laughs> uh, wow. That is okay. Let's okay. Let's first, let's start off with the exhibit uh, exhibit X. Position, if I can say that right, of the preacher who has a bedside manner of a fucking rattlesnake when he's doing the eulogy, you know, out in the graveyard. He's just like, well, their mom died, their dad died. Yeah, your life totally sucks, you know. Um, had to be done in order to let the audience know. Okay, I I get that, but um, just. Nothing really makes sense with the Brink Stevens character. Um, we never know whether she's truly alive or truly dead. I mean, 
in one case, we know she's not dead because David wakes up a, from a dream because he keeps seeing her. But a lot of this stuff seems like re- very super convenient for the story. Like, um, for instance, the kids already have like a swim meet set up, you know, right after their their parents died. And oddly enough, the grandfather brings along a giant jar of fucking pickles for some odd reason. <laughs> Common courtesy. Um, yeah. yeah, which I thought was hilarious. I was just like, okay, now I know what kind of movie I've been getting into. And there's a lot of other characters in this movie that have, that they don't, in my opinion, don't really even move the the plot, which doesn't make sense because you can never tell whether Brink Stevens is alive or dead. Like, I don't understand why Kenny is, I mean, basically the only reason why the character of Kenny in this movie, who has the romantic interests of the sister is just to get her out of the way. So David could do some snooping, snooping around. It's just like, and plus basically from what I can tell, Kenny is the poster boy for the me too movement. He's like Harvey Weinstein in a fucking greaser uniform. Um, and then the Sackets show up, which is this family that com- that's coming to visit them, and they have a daughter and they have a son, you know, relatively close to these two uh, siblings, which are David and what was the girl's name? Mm. Uh, Dar was it Darlene? Lynn. Or, uh, I mean, oh, I'm Darlene. Sorry. Yep, there's a Darlene. Yep. Yeah. Well, Darlene might have been the uh, the Sackett girl. Or whatever it, it doesn't matter tell, because yeah. she has like two seconds of screen time talking about how great Kenny is which <laughs> which I thought was even more hilarious um and basically these these I mean it just none of it none of it seemed to flow right very well with me even when those those kids go they go looking for the rocket and they break it in half and apparently it's filled with key lime pudding <laughs> And, you know, and then they, they go and, ex- and explode this stuff. And it's just like, I don't, nothing is making any sense whatsoever. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. And uh, spoiler alert, apparently the grandfather molested Brink Stevens, you know, uh, when apparently when he was, I don't know, 55, I guess, when she was, you know, still in her 20s. I, I don't know. And apparently David is, that's not his grandfather. It's his father. This movie makes zero sense to me. It's not very good. And you can get it on vinegar syndrome. I'll stop crapping on it and I'll let you guys just do what you will. I had uncle Leo. I had fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uncle Leo. (laughs) I think watching this after another one of the movies that we're going to talk about later maybe elevated it quite a bit. Oh, wow. Um, Damn. Yeah. I actually Damn. thought this one at least was, it kept my attention for the hour and a half or whatever it ran. Um, yeah, an hour and a half. I thought it was just dumb fun. I mean, it's not something that I'll ever watch again um, on purpose, but it was fine. I don't know. Like I, I didn't hate it as much as you. I was surprised you you didn't like it. Um, but then again, I feel like I put these on like a scale, and 
I was str- I, it kind it had my attention because I was struggling to try and make sense of it. Yeah, I'm more on Andy's side on this one. It was it was a tough watch. Um, I I'll be honest, it's a brink that you know kept me going. Just absolutely, thanks. Uh, just, you know, it was. I mean, it, it helped because we just hung out with her the other day. But uh, the other day. But it was nice seeing her in this and one of her thousand films she's been in. And but yeah, it uh, this movie couldn't feel more eighties to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, it's so eighties. I don't know. It was so hard. It was a tough watch, man. I'm with Andy. The kid keeps falling down that roof it's and just, grabbing on the things. He's going to dislocate his shoulder. Right. It's just a lot of unnecessary stuff. I mean, I, I just the stuck on the roof scene was like forty minutes. I don't. Right. <laughs> it was minutes. just some act, some young, small adult actor. It was. I didn't. I had a hard time with this one. Sorry, Mike. That's okay. Kenny. Kenny is crazy rapey in this. <clears throat> I I have a lot of lot of negative things to say about the movie, but I think I liked it the most out of all you guys. Oh, probably. Um, yeah, for me, definitely, uh, Brink uh, is the main reason to watch this movie, and I think she does an amazing job for what she's given because sure. um, that's fair. I that's would fair. I, I would like to think that maybe so when you make a movie. <laughs> A lot of time you, uh-huh. you you have what's called a script, and Heard. sometimes um, <laughs> through the process of making that movie, they they need to make changes, and they do what's called um, yellow is it yellow pages, sure. pink pink pages, pink pages. I think are the rewrite pages. Yes, every draft gets a different color. Yeah. as you go along. Um, yeah. so they'll like change some scenes. They'll have the writer like you know we need to change the scene, do do a quick rewrite, and we'll add those pages to the script, and you know do do some pink pages. Well, I think this this script went through every color in the spectrum <laughs> um, for for rewrites for rewrites during production. Um, we're literally talking like changing of plots and storylines throughout the movie consistently. I feel like scenes were um, there were scenes maybe like left on the cutting room floor that would have helped things make sense. Some scenes that were left in that uh, shouldn't have been because yeah, they were a little. Little, little heavy, little long. I, I just think it's sweet that you thought there was a script to begin with, and then scenes, <laughs> and then and then scenes like just completely out of order. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like things happening in this movie, so like yeah, he has the kid has the dream where they're seeing he's seeing his grandparents kill this woman, which is Brink Stevens. So you're you're I know no, I guess they're trying to convey that this might be a ghosty story, right? Um, but then there's a scene while he's awake later in the movie, after we've established Brink in this movie as a living human being where they right. kill her again and he's watching it. Um, he, they like hit her in the head and put her in a box or some shit in the fridge. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about her being in the freaking fridge yes. too. And that was yes. while he was awake. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Was that, was that maybe supposed to be a shot that should have been part of the dream sequence? Yeah. 
So like it would have made more sense. <laughs> so I think like the instructions for the editor to edit this movie was in Braille because the editor was apparently <laughs> blind. Um, and didn't know what he was cutting together. Um, yeah, seeing Uncle Leo in a horror movie, sure. especially a sleazy, creepy, monstrous grandpa like like this in this movie, was was a hoot. I will say hoot. Um, it was pretty fun seeing him in a role like this. And the whole time, I'm just like, I'm hearing, you know, Leo, Uncle Leo lines in my head through the whole movie. So that's fun. Um. I found it extremely creepy uh, that the feels like the only purpose of the sister in this movie is to like overly sexualize her. Like the, the yeah. some of those shots in the swimming pool, I'm like, oh my god, really? We're we're going there, 1988, but I guess so. Um, yeah, and then the ending, just yeah, and it, I'm still I've watched this movie twice now, and I'm still very confused by it. <laughs> Poor man, very confused. <laughs> Why do you why do you punish yourself so? Is she psycho? Is she not? Is it his fault? Is it Grandpa's fault? Because apparently he's right. psycho too. And yes, um, you know the old uh, the old country song "I'm My Own Grandpa." Um, you know that that's a little relevant in this movie, where I guess the grandson is actually the son of uh, uh. creepy grandpa. Uh, so he's the monster of the movie, and she's not. And yeah, confusing as, as hell. Um, but if they're doing a misdirect, thinking that she's the villain of the movie, then why have that scene where the cop shows up and explains that she's been in a mental institution this whole time, and she escaped, and she's evil, and all this stuff? Why? Why? Because. <laughs> Why does she have a guitar? That's never explained. She's like, is she, is she like a troubadour, like an insane one? I don't get it. I mean, I, I love Brink Stevens. And I feel like I could watch an hour and a half movie of her walking down the side of a road with a guitar. I'm cool with that. Um, and that nice shawl that she has on the whole time. Oh, uh, so because again, I feel like maybe some shots were missing or whatever, and things were edited out of sequence because when the rocket goes off in the basement. Oh man! Yeah. First, there's a shot where it's going through the room, and you're clearly you clearly see somebody in the background of the shot, like plain as fucking day. And <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's a big old flub. And it's a quick sh- it's a quick shot. I mean, it's still blatantly obvious. It's a quick shot. So I'm thinking, oh, that's a you know that's a crew member that was shouldn't have been in the shot. But then they cut to another angle of the rocket going through the basement. And one, I want to know how big this fucking basement is. Yeah. Um, Because this rocket travels for like 10 minutes throughout the basement. (laughs) And they show another shot of of that same person ducking out of the way from the rocket. And I'm like, screwed up twice? But now this person's in the foreground of the shot. And then they show the same guy ducking again in another shot later on during this whole sequence. I'm like, what the fuck? What is this person in the basement? And I think it was supposed to be the grandfather because like after the rocket thing, that's when that is when they established that grandpa now somehow is magically in the basement. I mean, you never see him going to the basement. You never you actually don't even know where he disappeared to at all during all this. So yeah. Um, it's you know, the movie's got some issues, but I, I still had a good time with it. I still enjoy it. I like it. But that's just, I guess that's just me. 
And this hmm. kid needs to step up his hide and seek game. You know, he just drops <laughs> to the floor and throws a cover on himself. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Grandmother's house. Yay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jason, what's our next movie? Oh man, thank God it's over. Uh the next movie. Oh my gosh, this movie's so awesome. It's by one of my favorite directors of all time. It's from 2015. The Visit. This is Maria Bella Jameson, uh, my, my nana. And this is my, my pop-pop. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. We're visiting for the week. I miss you guys. We're having a great time. I wanted to spend time with you for so long, Nana. I have not seen your nana this happy in years. <laughs> Bedtime here is 9.30. You two shouldn't come out of your room after that. Good night. Good night. What is that? Nana? What the hell was that? I think Nana's not feeling well. Grandmother is fine. Nana and Papa Berting strange. I knew we were going to have this call. They're just weird people. Hey, why is Nana staring into the well? Hi, Papa! Papa! And there's something wrong with Nana and Papa. They're just old. They're just cleaning it. What is in the shed? Nana? Are you down here? <laughs> Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it? Stop! Nana, stop! A single mother sends her two young children to visit their grandparents on a remote Pennsylvania farm for a week-long trip. But the children discover that the elderly couple involved in deeply dis- is involved in deeply disturbing activity. And the youngsters' chances of getting back home look less and less likely with every minute that passes. Written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Yahoo! Woo! What a stud. Oh, man, this movie is so freaking good. I forgot that it was found footage, too, until I watched it again. Um, It was such a, I don't know. I mean, I know, oh, found footage, it's tired, it's old. I don't, I I got problems with it. But no, (laughs) but guess what? This is great. It's great. It does it really cool. And and anytime there's, you know, kids trying to make movies it's just awesome and both those kids are amazing the grandparents even more amazing maybe um katherine hahn is the mom she was amazing on wandavision uh this movie's great right right yes good answer i saw it in theaters yeah. me too really me too it. we saw it together mike i think oh that's right and I didn't realize until um, rewatching this this time, I was like, I know I've seen the kids elsewhere. They're both mm-hmm. in um, Ready or Not, like a year later, 
both of them as stars. Mm. Like, oh, that's cool. In the same movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Playing like the yeah annoying little neighbor kid and the babysitter. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I love this one. I uh, when it came out, um, M Night was going through that sort of struggle where he went from like the top prospect of uh, you know big Hollywood sort of uh, whatever he wanted to do, and he had a couple flops in a row, and it seemed like he was on his way out, and he came back with this, which I remember correctly, he financed himself also, like gambled mm-hmm. on himself. Yep. Um, paid for it himself to make sure that when it was a success, he could sort of say, ha, I told you I'm not done. And he was correct. And Very I saw correct, this in, yeah. I saw this in theaters uh, and was not expecting much and was really blown away by it. And rewatching it, it still holds up really well. Nikki had never seen it, and uh, she watched it with me. And I love uh, seeing people's reactions to this one. And so uh, she, she was freaking out during it. It scared her a lot. Oh, and, man. I wish I could be scared by movies, but uh, <laughs> there's some true like yeah. creepy moments in this one. Mm-hmm. Just a quick note. I think you said ready or not, it was better watch out. Yes. Better Sorry. watch out. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, Just hearing mom, grandma behind the door. Jesus. Fuck mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. yeah this she's is... naked and <laughs> slamming her head into a door. And Ugh. this is a uh, first time watch for Ooh. me. Yeah, um, normally M. Night Shyamalan, he's not really my cup of tea, but I'm telling you right now that this movie is really, really fucking good. Yeah. Yay. Yay, yay. Um, I was so pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, you know, between just the... Uh, and the the kids were great, and just the the grandparents just you know completely being n- nuts and shit. You know, I mean that goddamn Yahtzee game. Oh my god! <laughs> you know she's she's eating those cookies, and she just literally just screams. You know, Yahtzee. I mean, in her barfing, and mm. like when she explains to the kid that you know when he finds all those dirty diapers out in the shed and, that her grandfather has incontinence, mm. and then she. <laughs> And then she asks if he wants any pudding. <laughs> the, last, uh. the, the last goddamn thing I'm going to be wanting to eat is pudding after I see just poop smears everywhere. Um. Oh, my God. Um. You know, it, you know, seeing that girl. I mean, I noticed that with one thing with M. Night is that. He doesn't do like really prolonged scares. He does like these quick cuts, like um, for instance, when the alien runs by, he just right. it just skitters by and is and and I noticed that he he incorporated this in this film too with you know the the grandmother finding the hidden camera and snarling, oh, fuck. and then uh, like and the girl hanging when they hung that girl outside oh, yeah, yeah, on, on the tree and that, and you just barely see her out the door. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he does that so very effectively and it, and it works so well. Um, I have one minor complaint in this. Is it the kid rapping? <laughs> no, no, it's not actually. It's not. not I thought it was I Andy's mean, passion for freestyle rapping that really made him like this movie. Yeah. And, well, it is. <laughs> It is, yo. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
the the one thing is just in uh normally in court determining insanity because uh spoiler alert uh these aren't the kids' grandparents. They are they're they're psych patients that the parents were were helping treat. What? Um, uh, now, Agreed. the grandmother, yes, in a court of law, technically would probably could be considered insane, but the grandfather wouldn't because he it shows that he knew what he was doing. He knew when he hid the bodies. He knew when to pick up the kids. He had his faculties about himself. So. But that doesn't ruin the movie for me at all because I still think this movie is awesome. I need to buy it. Um, but yeah, the whole the kid freezing again, like he said he did in football, um, having poop smeared into my face would instantly unfreeze my ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. But he but, also is remember too though he's like a super super hardcore germaphobe so that would yeah make sense uh-huh. that something like that would freeze him too so i uh, i kind of like how you know that there's a lot of there's a lot of themes of mental mental health in this movie even with the kids mm-hmm. oh yeah everybody is very very emotionally damaged even down to katherine hahn which even after this i had to it, it was confession time to my wife that i totally told her that i have a crush on katherine hahn <laughs> i don't care nice. how older he is or how you know i i would sneak into parent teacher conferences with no kids just to go see her um <laughs> so <laughs> levels, here we go mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Agatha Harkness has a spell on me, and <laughs> she's, and my wife was just like, "Yeah, it's okay. I understand, you know." Um, but yeah, totally, totally love this movie. Um, can't say enough good things about it. Very good choice. Awesome, cool. Yes, I too love this movie. I am like Jason. I am a, a big supporter of M Night Shyamalan. Um, he's probably just. A scotch bigger than me because I can admit he he's got a couple movies that don't hit no. well with me. What? Yeah. No. I know. <laughs> I know, right? That, that's the exact movie we're talking about, too. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um, and and to be honest, I still have not seen Last Airbender just because like I have no connection to the to the cartoon and don't honestly care. So um but this movie and I was I was in the same boat like he had some big big misses and kind of was falling into the old director's jail and then he decided to do this and it was a an amazing comeback and I would have to say being an M Night Shyamalan fan the most suspenseful part of this whole movie was whether or not it was going to be successful to where we were going to get to see more M Night Shyamalan movies in the future um it did well. It did very well, very well, and uh, especially with its budget and whatnot. So I uh, was really happy that uh, that it, it, it that it worked. And I uh, it was right next to Jason when we saw it in the theaters. I would have to say, if my one complaint is, you know, and I as as a uh, quasi writer myself, and especially a writer that has this particular issue. Um, I, and a, I have a pet peeve of writing in writing in general where, um, words are repeated a lot. Uh, cause I, I make that mistake and I hate myself for it when it happens. So when I hear it in other, uh, forms of media, it, it drives me up the wall. 
And I would have to say, I don't know if it's because of the movie or I truly feel this way, but I think the worst grandparent nickname is Pop Pop. Oh yeah. yeah, I hate it. She said that like ten thousand times, and I I I was going. It was driving me up the wall. I mean, I don't know if it had been better if it was like Gramps or Pa or Hey Old Fucker, but uh, Pop Pop was just uh, over and over again. Was just way too much for me. Um, I think I dislike it because it's like these these grandparents are not at all familiar with each other. You shouldn't have like a pet name already, like a, you know, a nickname for your grandparents. This is true too. This is true too. Especially when right out of the gate, right. These kids are um, suspicious of the, of the grandparents of being kind of off. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, my only complaint is the, the rapping. I hated that sub story. Part of the story. I, Makes me want to punch the kid every time. So when the <laughs> when the credits are rolling, you just shut it off real quick. Yep. <laughs> ah, that didn't bother me. Um, I, I, there's some things with that kid that can be could be annoying, but yeah, I grew out of it. Um, can be annoying, but some of it I found charming. I loved the idea. I loved his whole thing about replacing curse words oh. with celebrities. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> And then when he would do it, it was like hilarious. Katy Perry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what like kids do, you know. And even the rapping thing is like what kids do. I just don't want to hear it. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I, I always thought that this was so interesting because it's so wildly different from the rest of M Night stuff before and after. Um, you know, so so sort of uh, simple, held back, um, almost at times. Um, like he goes to places he doesn't normally go, like gross out horror. Like when uh, yeah. the kid's like frozen in the kitchen and he gets a diaper to the face, it's like mm. doesn't seem like he would ever stoop down to gross out horror as a scare. And then he did in this, um, which I don't know, you know, sometimes that's good. Like he, he was yeah. at the, like you said, at that point where he was in director jail and it was like he needs to do something new and not. And, and to be fair, actually, he, he, did do new stuff and uh, it didn't necessarily work out for him. But, uh, you know, he went back to the basics and sort of made us just a simple horror movie. And that's what really, to me, it really worked. It wasn't necessarily, um, you know, it it felt like he always had to like live up to his last movie and the the big twist and, and um, total mind fuck. And I I sort of hated that it became that where it was like, how about you just make good movies first and foremost and make that, secondary and he did that here it wasn't I mean, of course it was a huge twist and it was a big surprise but it wasn't like uh like a, a really convoluted like mind fuck type thing it was just sort of like a oh that's cool that you know the, the biggest fear turned true and mm-hmm, uh it's just mm-hmm. it's just scary like he, he took what he's good at and simplified it and made it you know pared it down really small um in comparison to what other stuff he's done and to, and to me is just is like i want to see more of this yeah, it's like he was trying some new things, like with the format. You mentioned like the gross out horror, but yet also feel like that he was delivering what people that what he thought people liked about him, and that's the twist thing. But without it being like over the top or shoved in your face, you know what I mean? Like it, it for the, for a film like this, it completely makes sense. This is like straight up kind of like a an EC Comics horror story with with just that little that little punch at the end that uh, what we what we thought we knew was was wrong, and um, 
But again, and executed perfectly in that M. Night Shyamalan way, watching it again for the first time in a long time, especially after ever watching it for the first time, like you, I just pick up on so many moments throughout the movie of M. Night literally that telling clues, you yeah. that uh, these people are not who they're supposed to be. It's all right there, just like he does every time masterfully. That's what's and again, that's why I hate calling what he does twists because you know, to me, a twist um, would be like Friday the 13th, where we have this person killing people uh, throughout the entire movie, and the twist is a character we have never heard of or was referenced to or seen before, um, revealed to be the killer at the very end. What M Knight does is he 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 tells you throughout the entire movie of what what is going to happen at the end, and and I, I he does that masterfully and that that uh, uh you know pros and cons to that you know I feel like that has hurt him in the general public eye because everybody expects that from him. So when you get something like Lady in the Water, that is him trying to do his own thing with his own universe and his own storybook you know, thing without having to rely on, you know, uh, gut punch ending. Um, and then, then people don't respond to it. So I'd have to say one of my favorite creepy moments, in the entire movie is that scene where, um, uh, when she walks in to the camp with the camera, uh, you know, she hears her grandmother laughing, thinking that, Oh, she's watching TV and she's just, in the rocking chair facing the wall. Mm-hmm. That I think that's a super creepy scene. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, I think my favorite was the one Andy mentioned when they go to like run out of the house and the girl that was visiting earlier that brought like food to see them mm-hmm. is hanging in a tree because it's just sort of like shit just got real, you know. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, when uh, you know she shows when when they the kids show their mom their grandparents that moment, like the big reveal is it. I mean, that's not even really the, I don't know. Would you say that's the big reveal? Cause there's like two levels to it. Cause we yeah. first, we find out, okay, those aren't their grandparents. So who are they then? She in the basement, when she finds the jumpsuits with the tags on them is sort of the second reveal that, you know, not only are they weirdos, but they're also escape mental patients. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Like I enjoyed the mom, the mom moment is a great. It's so subtle. Yeah. It's subtle. Right. Like, it's not. It's just, yeah. Like, and it's your, believable and not super over the top. Oh yeah. yeah. Like sh- the mom is trying to stay calm on behalf of the kids and probably confused as fuck at that point too. Like, you know, what, what, what am I looking at? Who, who are those people? You know? And then just, just trying to calmly be like, you know, you, you guys got to get out of there. Those aren't your grandparents. Um, mm. Yeah, very, very powerful. Very, very powerful scene. I love that scene. And it is a great uh, a great reveal moment of the whole thing. Yeah, it's like you put yourself in that situation. Like, you know, <laughs> he he sets everything up, obviously. It's like you're out in the middle of nowhere in a place you don't know. Um, not necessarily like, you know, the next town over where mom can just hop over and yeah. you know, pick you up or whatever. And Yeah, they had to take a train to get there. Right. So, yeah, it, it's... I mean, and, and like the premise isn't ridiculous either, you know, like, especially now we see even more with like social media, people are finding their birth parents they never met or, Mm -hmm. you know, families fall apart and, you know, you still want to be, you know, 
broken up families, stuff like that. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, I remember seeing it and I'm so glad that I am an idiot when it comes to movies. Like mm-hmm. he, he's like, M night always gets me. Like I can't think I, I've never am the person that's like, I figured out the ending before. Never me. Like not, not me, either. man. And thank God, because uh, I, I love being surprised and mm-hmm. watch this one in the theaters. Yeah. And it was like, Oh shit, that was cool. Even after it's revealed, I was like, okay, then who the fuck are these people? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. signs are right there. You know, they visit the place and they talk about visiting people in that hospital. And the lady comes by, Mm-hmm. And it's like, you yeah. know, I haven't seen your grandparents for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. All the signs, like you said, he he tells you, and it's almost, you know, it's like a, it's it's just, you know, it's like a he does he doesn't hit you over the head o- head over with it, but right. I mean, he gives subtle hints, but you I mean you're just you're too enthralled that in too invested not to take them. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> he doesn't uh, rub your face in it like a dirty diaper. <laughs> right yeah so the visit man i'm glad it's a unanimous on that one that's Mm. very it's 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 crazy good uh i'm glad i got to watch it speaking of crazy good and unanimous uh tad what's our next movie Oh, our shit. next movie is another from 1988 and it is unfortunately rabid grannies Grandma, what big eyes you have. Grandma, what big teeth you have. Grandma, what a big mouth you have. Oh, goody, goody, we're taking a trip to Granny's house. She and her sister are having a birthday party. Isn't that nice? Perhaps it is time to open up our presents. But be careful, because someone has sent these two sweet old ladies a very nasty present. That's smashing. And now, these grannies have gone berserk. So you better not eat your chicken soup. At least they're enjoying themselves this year. Rabid grannies. They don't exist. They exist. They're not just grannies, they're party animals. Ready to get down. Get funky. Get wasted. Rabid grannies. Grannies serving up something special for dinner. You. Rabid grannies. From Troma. Okay, can never live up to that trailer. Um, Rabid grannies. Have it here. A satanic birthday gift turns two grandmothers into cannibals at a family gathering. This was an hour and 23 minutes, and it felt like four. I had a hard time getting even making it through this, man. Um, It took about 45 minutes for anything to actually happen, it felt like, like to finally get our one rabid granny. 
Um, it, you know, I, I knew what I was in for when I saw the Troma logo at the beginning, and <laughs> yep. it's not necessarily a. Uh, I don't think it's an actual like Troma produced film. I think they must have just bought the rights to this movie. If is that correct, Mike? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's right. not a Lloyd Kaufman. I think it's a French yeah. film. Yeah, it's definitely an acquisition. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the thirty-six uh, percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is generous. Agreed. Um, other than a few scenes where we have some ridiculous special effects, uh, man, I, I wouldn't watch this again if if you paid me. I, I don't know if I could. Uh, I don't know. I don't have much nice to say about it, so I'll move on to anyone else who has anything nice to say about it, if anybody does. The only thing I got to say nice is the the effects. I mean, sometimes the, the grannies, I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's kind of almost neck and neck with like full moon feature kind of kind of stuff. But like this guy going apeshit with a shotgun trying trying to kill him and just it, and it's not happening um although he does get his legs cut off and then he gets skewered by like this uh spear like right up his butt you know i mean but i mean i guess that was cool but yeah the whole <laughs> you've always been pro yeah, butt skewer <laughs> yes yes um that's what it, that was what it felt like when, watching this movie. Oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, do, am I am I all for a bunch of snobby aristocrats getting fucked up and getting the shit kicked out of them? Yeah, but I mean, I guess they could have done it better. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say. I mean, it was just like I was I was kind of squirming in my seat, you know, but just just because I was just like, oh, come on, get done. I got stuff that you know. I don't want to watch it no more. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, I I have a house to clean. I would rather do that than watch yeah. this. I got I got a sock door sock drawer to rearrange. Come on. Can I go next? Go for it. Yeah, have at it, Mike. I hate to tell you this, but oh, man. I fucking love this movie. Yeah, I'm, get out of here. I'm not kidding. This is High an un- this is an underrated gem. Yes, this I movie, hope that's not sarcasm. This movie is so awesome. I, so, like, I've uh, since I first watched um, Class of Newcomb High back in high school, I've always had a love affair with Trauma, and I've seen a lot of them. I thought I had seen this before, but uh, oh man, when I saw the logo, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, let's see what yeah. we got!" And uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. A lot of trauma sucks, and it's hard. But I, this movie is it's cinematic. There is so much fun uh, cinematography and camera work in the beginning yes. of this. Like every fucking scene has got a dolly shot in it. I'm like, this uh-huh. is fucking awesome. And like the old ladies and the uh, once once shit starts going crazy, which I didn't think it was quite 45 minutes, probably felt that to you, but <laughs> once shit started going crazy, I had like serious like dead alive vibes. Yes, yes, right? yes. Uh-huh. Right? Well, that's, it's in my I got that vi- so good. I honestly got those vibes too, but I was like, this has been done so much better with dead alive. Oh, no, that scene where the head, the first one with the, cl- and then grabs the face and pulls it down the table. Oh man, yeah. it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so awesome. I loved this movie. Oh, I'm so happy. I don't know what these other two turds are talking about. They must have watched something else. This one's awesome. 
I can. Dad, we're we're starting off the year pretty well. We actually <laughs> we actually agree on something. Rabbit yes. grannies, <laughs> fucking on classic, man. <laughs> Dude, obviously I'm right there with you. Uh-huh. Like this was a first time watch for me too, but I was familiar with it thanks sure. to my love of trauma. Yep. But uh, there was a uh, uh, video series back in the day by Gorgong Video called Gorgong Video mm-hmm. Magazine. And I have the volume one of that on VHS that I've watched over and over and over <laughs> again. And they um, they had a uh, review of Rabbit Grannies, and they showed that shot of the arm reaching yeah. across the table, grabbing the lady and the gram- yeah. and the grandma eating the head. Um, and I was like, man, I've got to see this, but just never got around to it. So, you know, when I came up with this talk, I was like, yep, we're doing Rabbit Grannies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... Oh, well, first of all, I do have to say, disclaimer on this, it probably shouldn't have been on this list because the ladies are neither rabid nor <laughs> grannies. <laughs> they are demonic possessed ants. So this is definitely a case of like the when title. Troma would acquire yeah. a film from somebody, they would change the title and come up with the most outrageous title that they could think of. So this is definitely, this is definitely Lloyd's touch of, of calling it rabid grannies, but I'm right there with you. Yes. I can, I can admit that, uh, some of the early, early half of the film before the, uh, the, the possession stuff starts happening that it could drag on a bit, but I think there's just a, like you said, so much camera work. And this is obviously on an extremely it's- low budget. So it's unreal how good the camera work is yeah. on, in that. So like I'm watching this movie that's like obviously super low budget. So and, low budget. And, <laughs> and shitty quality film stock. I'm assuming 16 maybe. And yeah. you could just tell they're 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 trying their best they're with everything, especially on. even the can you know, you know, like I said, dolly shots or some fun Sam Raimi-esque type of camera movements and camera shots. Um and the fact that the, the the characters are so over the top cartoony quirky that I was invested during those slow moments, but then when the rabid grannies take full form, then it's just balls out freaking. And I love the gore grannies. Yes. they're so badass. They were they were a lot a lot of fun. They were. <laughs> um, and oh, and you get you get like child murder in this, like. The what was it? The little girl had her legs ripped off. Yeah, holy hell! They that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. You do get to see a priest put an M sixteen in his mouth, yes. and uh, not only does he shoot himself, <laughs> he shoots himself on fully automatic. <laughs> just <laughs> but see, yeah, and so I'm with you with the with the dead alive reference, or just early Peter Jackson in general. That I yeah. feel like this movie is homage to that and and the had to have been er, early influences and even evil dead to me evil dead feel uh-huh. i get a lot of evil dead feeling from this movie as well um yeah just yeah the the, the over the top yep. cartoony kills and just so they are so much fun and often hilarious but just Balls out gores hanging well. from the chandelier just talking shit oh man oh i i just I th- I laughed my ass off <laughs> when was it when the preacher had the gun I it I think I watched this first and I watched it even before I told you guys we were doing it for the show so it's been a <laughs> it's been a hot minute um I think it's when the priest is is shooting off the gun so the one granny gets into the suit of armor oh yeah so when that granny shows up in the suit of oh, armor yeah. I was laughing my ass off I'm like yeah. that's awesome 
And then she hangs out in it for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. The shot, the stuff in the car. Oh, I thought that was great. Where, um, where like the granny was good. I forgot yeah. what she had to do in order for the granny sure to let her go. I can't remember mythology of what is happening necessarily, but um, but then she turns around and gets hit by the car and was riding on the hood of the car, oh, yeah. smashed face first into the gate. That was freaking awesome. That was a good. It was I mean, awesome. It was a sped I mean, up shot, but it was cool. Yeah, it looked really, really cool. Not overly good. gory, but a very you and know because they, they kind of cut away from it a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Before it was too gruesome because I was expecting like a full on like Splat. like a like a cheese slicer or something with the, <laughs> with the bars of the of the gate. Yeah, but uh, but still really effective. And again, it has a lot to do with the the camera work and the the angles they got in that shot. And the way it was pieced together, just, oh, so yep. So I just thought it was a blast. It was so much fun. Totally, totally recommend Rabid yeah. Grannies. Yeah, don't do it, guys. I mean, oh. Godzilla will probably love this, but oh. <laughs> well, if Brian Clark out is out there listening, I bet he liked this movie too. I'm sure, yeah, because uh, he's the gold standard for what's good. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, this it's way better than it should be. It's. And for trauma films, it's brutal in the top half. But see, the thing is, this is from that era where, like, yep. even their acquisitions were were fairly decent. Um, yeah, you know, like the 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 mid to late eighties, um, like uh, Lonnie Skyler's uh, Cybernator. Uh huh. Oh no. God, no! <laughs> I was thinking more like teenage cat girls in heat. Yes, exactly. Like teenage cat yes. girls in heat. Surf Nazis must die. Yeah. I love that one a lot. Again, listen to these freaking titles. So you know, good. Troma would go so out of their good. way to retitle these movies. I'm a redneck zombies kind of guy. Yeah. Yes, redneck yep. zombies is great as well. Oh yes, I love that movie. Randy hates it, but I love it. <laughs> um, but and and then as they went on, and I think like when the filmmakers were trying to make films that would appeal to yeah. Troma as opposed to like. Hey, I made this crazy ass movie, and Troma's like, "Hey, we'll we'll distribute it," uh, and then it became more of like filmmakers of like, "Hey, I'm making a Troma movie," and then that's when I think when, yeah. when there's this, when, the biggest problem with Troma, whether it be the movies that are Lloyd's making or the acquisitions, is when there's too much fucking self awareness of yep. what Troma is supposed to what in yep. their mind Troma is supposed to be. So, ooh, Monster in the Closet—that's another good yep. one from that era. Yep. Um. I can go on. I'll say, please don't make us do a trauma episode. <laughs> oh, good idea, Ted. Yeah. I will shot yourself in the foot there, pal. I'll, no, I'll be sick that week or something. You can... I'll, I'll be nice and put Cannibal the Musical on it. Oh, so good. Anyway. No, on Cannibal the Musical? Hell yeah. I know you'd be for it. Oh. I think Toxic <laughs> Avengers about as much as I can do with them. <laughs> well, it's a classic. Anyway, uh, sorry everybody that Ted and Andy happen to be way wrong on this one, but that they hate fun. I know. Yeah, give it a watch <laughs> and let us know what you think. Exactly. And if if you don't, do. if you don't enjoy it, please let Mike and Jason know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Please go to do. the go to the Facebooks and and let us know. I would love to hear what the uh, audience's reaction. I know to Brian's going to message us and let us know what he yeah. thinks. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, that wraps up the film discussion, but there is still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it'll be the segments portion of the show. First, But first, you're going to hear a word about our very own podcast network called 
the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to 30 different shows, such as our our podcast from another mother, Land of the Creeps. Mm. Our dear old friend, Greg Amortis, brings to you a weekly horror podcast that takes an informative yet entertaining look at new and old new and old horror movies. Check them out and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. And now it is time to hear from you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. All right, this week we asked, what are your favorite grandma-related horror films? And over, we'll start in our group, uh, Facebook group edition first. We got Tim Lennerer, he says, I now regret having seen Rabid Grannies back in the glory days of VHS crap. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Tim, we were there counting on you. Oh, Brian Clark says, that's okay. They're actually Rabid aunties anyway. It is great, though. Yeah, we got Brian. Of course you got uh, him. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then he also adds The Company of Wolves, which is great. It's oh, a great little movie. Yeah. Over on our Facebook page, we got, oh, attacker Brett Royer says this gem and posts a photo of the granny. That was almost on the list, but I couldn't find it. And when I was, ta- and I even looked on YouTube, but when I was talking Talking to Brett about it over the weekend, he he said it he said it was there, but it sounded like it it was like a while back when he watched it. So I maybe think it was taken down. You guys were lucky because that poster looks terrible. So think we think we dodged a bullet on that. One. Awesome. Up next, we got Lisa from the Bad Movie Bunny podcast on the PFP, and she says, "Funny that you have a photo of Mia Farrow from Rosemary's Baby." As I was thinking of that, and Ruth Gordon's creepy and abrasive mother, hen grandmotherly neighbor performance in it. Mm, yeah very good okay. and then there's always 1988's grandma's house I'm glad up next we got don and nelly he <laughs> says although it's not explicit explicitly stated they were the film american gothic could be considered as such given their treatment towards the group when they arrive See, I've never seen that one, but I know the box. Yeah. yeah, I know the box. Yvonne, yep. Yvonne Craig, uh, Lily Munster's in that, right? Oh, oh nice. Well, not my personal favorite of the series, Paranormal Activity 3 all starts from the exploits of a grandma with bad intentions, even though she doesn't play a major part in the film, much like Hereditary. Mm. Mm. However, Relic is one of my favorite films of the last few years and should be mentioned. As well as the Cheese Fest's Granny of the Dead, <laughs> which sounds awesome. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, th- that was on my long list at first. Yeah, but I'd never seen it, so I don't know. It's probably, probably pretty awesome. 
And also Cockneys versus Zombies. Oh yeah, that'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. But it, but they're actually more of the uh, um, good guys than. <laughs> and then lastly, on our Facebook page, we got the Abster Abram Kirshner says with a great answer, the visit. It's one of my favorite from M Night. Both the grandma and grandpa were played perfectly. They they were goosebumps and. Inducingly creepy. They were goosebump inducingly creepy when they needed to be, but so easy to love and feel for. However, I feel like the one who impacted most of us was the naked granny from The Shining. Mm. On screen for less than two minutes, but forever etched in my brain. That's no kidding. Ah, where are we over on the Instagram? We got. Shrekweg0815, uh, we know him as Stefan Sitter. He says, instant pop-ups are The Visit, the old ladies in It Chapter 2, and Drag Me to Hell. Also, the old nun in Veronica creeped me out. And, of course, the old hag in Black Sabbath is what nightmares are made of. That's a really good one. And uh, guess what, fellas? We got a voicemail. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <clears throat> hey, guys. Attacker Brian here. And I know we're talking about Killer Grannies this episode. And I don't think we can talk about Killer Grannies and not talk about Betty White and Lake Placid with her death a couple weeks ago and her being what a lot of people consider the grandma of America. I don't think we can talk about killer grannies and not talk about her feeding those alligators or crocodiles getting them huge so they could eat everybody up and if we're talking about killer grannies how can we not be talking about killer furniture (laughs) we got to get this killer furniture thing done and i'm going to keep calling keep bothering mike maybe he's torturing me a little bit but we'll get this killer furniture thing done one way or another have a great week bye All right. Thanks, Godzilla. Well, uh, that's uh, all we had today. Remember, you can also leave us a voicemail just like Brian did at call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail. We'll play it on the show. And that is shout outs. All right. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome, Mike. In the acting world, the saying goes, those who can act. Those who cannot, teach. Then there are those who don't even know where they are. And now it's time for recasting with Christian Slater. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the episodic dumpster fire that is my life known as Recasting with Christian Slater. Today we'll be tackling dialogue from a film that made Sharon Stone a star. 
Police Academy 4. No, wait. Alan Quartermain in the Lost City of Gold. As usual, there goes the goddamn format. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Busey will be reading the part of District Attorney John Corelli as we cover Paul Verhoeven's basic instinct. <laughs> reading for the part of our hero, Detective Nick Curran, is Hollywood legend Vincent Price. Welcome back to the show, and I'm sorry. Do not delude yourself, my dear Christian. If I can work with Peter Ray, bombed on opium, I can work with anyone. <laughs> you just heard you just heard Busey a while ago, right? Oh dear. Moving on. Reading the part of Lieutenant Walker is the attorney, attorney's favorite son, Skeletor. <laughs> yes, I'm back to prove to all of you shit stains once and for all who the real thespian <laughs> is. You know it's not the lead, right? But I'm the lieutenant. I outrank the lead character. It's not real. You don't even have fucking eyes to read. Forget it. <laughs> Reading for the part of Captain Talcott and no stranger to police stations is the Prince of Darkness himself, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. Welcome back, Ozzy. I just want you to know, Jackie, that I'm grateful that you think I could pull off the role of a constable. Just like I can believe you convince all of us that you're Christian Slater. Thanks, Oz. Just try not to piss on anything. Don't worry, it won't get you banned from this network, knowing the bigwigs have prescribed films that will extend your contract for ten years the more you piss. <laughs> right old Jackie boy, right old. Here to read the part of Detective Harrikin for only a few lines due to contractual obligations, taking a break from world domination, and to break the fourth wall since it's hard on someone's vocal cords is Cobra Commander. What the hell am I even here for? Probably because that son of a bitch insane Mike put him might put me on his top ten list or something. <laughs> Did he realize how busy I am? <laughs> Always a pleasure, CC. Filling out the rest of our police force in the role of the Detective Andrews is our favorite four-legged mammal who inexplicably walked erect. Bullwinkle Moose. Welcome back, bully. Why, thank you, Christian. I have always wanted to play a copper, a gumshoe, a flatfoot. But as you can see, I have merely hooves. You've been dipping into the insane Mike joke, bit, joke book again, haven't you? <laughs> Last but not least, reading for the part of our femme fatale, Catherine Trammell, is our series mainstay, Don Knotts. How are you, Donnie? Oh, life's just a bowl of cherries, asswipe. It's bad enough I gotta move. I can only move past deputy on the other show, but now I'm <laughs> the one being interrogated. And I t and to top it off, I'm some broad who's gonna be puffing on a Virginia Slim while flashing her beaver in a white dress. <laughs> well, where was my oyster, Slater? Why don't you have her Aunt Flo visit in the scene while you're at it, dipshit? <laughs> Looks like Donnie's ready to go. Okay. <laughs> Page 20. 
Interior, police interrogation room, day. It's a large fluorescent lighted and, and antiseptic. Catherine walks in with Nick and Gus in the room. Our prosecutor, John Corelli, Lieutenant Wapter, Captain Talgut, Harrigan, and Andrews. There's a police state. There is a police stenographer, a plain young woman in her 20s. I'm John Corelli. I'm an assistant district attorney, Mr. Mel. Can we get you anything? Would you like some coffee? No, thank you. Are your attorneys, Miss... Mr. Mel waived her rights to an attorney. Corrigan and Talget glance at Nick. She sees the look. Did I miss something? I told them you wouldn't want an attorney present. <clears throat> Why have you waived your right to an attorney, Mr. Mel? Why do you think I'd want one? I told them you wouldn't want to hide. I have nothing to hide. The two of them keep their eyes on each other. She sits down. They sit around her. Nick sits directly across from her. She lights up a cigarette. They watch her. She is poised, cool, and in complete command of herself. There is no smoking in this building, Mr. Mel. What are you going to do? Charge me with smoking? Ever so casually, she blows her smoke across at Nick. Would you tell us the nature of your relationship with Mr. Boz? I had sex with him for about a year and a half. I like having sex with him. <laughs> he has control of the room. She looks from one man to the other as she speaks. He wasn't afraid of experimenting. I like men like that. I like men who give me pleasure. He gave me a lot of pleasure. A beat as they watch her. It's so matter of fact. Did you ever engage in sadomasochistic activity with him? Exactly what you have in mind. Well, what you do is you get yourself a weed eater and some cottage cheese, right? And then <laughs> Jesus Christ, Busey, stick to the script for once. <laughs> what? He's kind of piqued my interest, Slater. What did I tell you about encouraging him? Now let's get through this. <laughs> we'll talk later, Donnie. Um, um, yes. Um, uh, so here, uh, did you ever tie him up? No! You never tied him up? No! Johnny liked to use his hands too much. I like hands and fingers. They stare at her. You describe a white silk scarf in your book. I've always had a fondness for white silk scarves. I have a very vivid imagination. But you said you liked men to use their hands. No, I said I like Johnny to use his hands. I don't give any rules, Nick. I go with the flow. They have their eyes on each other. Did you kill Mr. Boss, Mr. Mel? I'd have to be pretty stupid to write a book about killing and then kill him in a way I described in my book. I'd be announcing myself as a killer. I'm not stupid. We know you're not stupid, Mr. Mel. Maybe that's what you're counting on you, what you're counting on to get you off the hook. Writing a book about it gives you an alibi for not killing him. Yes, it does, doesn't it? He holds his eyes a second, then. The answer is no! I didn't kill him! 
Do you use drugs, Miss Trammell? Sometimes. Did you ever do drugs with Mr. Buzz? Sure. What kind of drugs? Cocaine. He looks directly at Nick. Have you ever, have you ever fucked on cocaine, Nick? It's nice. He watches her. I can't fuck without it. <laughs> Me neither. God damn it. Can we get through one scene without this kind of bullshit? <laughs> Plus, Bullwinkle, I can't expect that shit from Gary, but that's just messed up. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. Touche. <laughs> Sorry, Vince, you're up. You like playing games, don't you? I got a degree in psych. It goes with the turf. Games are fun. They're holding each other's eyes. This concludes this episode of Recasting with Sir Christian Slater. Thank God. And remember, if you ever find yourself being sweated out under the hot lights at, at, down at the station and the room reeks of piss and cocaine, chances are Gary, Busey, and Ozzy have already been there. Till next time. It's time once again for another Insane's Picks, Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. This time we're doing a filmmaker from the 80s. He has been making films since the early 1980s but didn't make his mark until two smart-ass robots talked over one of his movies. This Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we induct a master of his craft, if his craft was processed cheese, the jack-of-all-trades, Rick Sloan. Rick Sloan was born in 1961 and grew up in L.A. He attended Hollywood High School. He dreamed of becoming an animator. His first journey into filmmaking would be making fake movie trailers as a teenager. When he was 18, he, show, he saw Joe Dante's movie Hollywood Boulevard at the drive-in, and from then on, he decided he wanted to become a full-fledged movie maker. He attended film school where he was often told by his teachers that he was the least talented student in the film school program, but that would not stop Rick from realizing his dreams. Hollywood Boulevard was such an inspiration to Rick that he even cast Mary Warnoff in his first feature film. <clears throat> he made his first film debut with the horror spoof Movie House Massacre, also known as Blood Theater, in 1984. He made that movie when he was just 21 years old. And in Blood Theater, he used a lot of his fake trailers that he made when he was younger, such fake movie titles as Chainsaw Chicks, Amputee Hookers, Nightmare of the Lost Whorehouse, and Clown Horrors of Hollywood. Sloan was working with 20th, 20th Century Fox to promote the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and his fake trailers were first shown at the third annual Transylvanian Convention. Sloan himself organized and produced one of the earliest of these cult conventions in 1981. The event was videotaped and aired on syndicate, syndicated television uh, the same summer as part of the syndicated special Rocky Horror Treatment, and later that fall in a segment of, N of the NBC show Real People. 
Rick followed up Blood Theater with the cheap-ass sci-fi camp fest, The Visitants. The plot is simple. Aliens chase a teenager who stole one of their ray guns. After that, in 1988, he would make the film that he would be the most famous for, but not until years later when the movie was when the movie showed up on Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm talking about, of course, the gremlin ripoff movie, Hobgoblins. If you have not seen Hobgoblins or any of Rick Sloan's movies, I'll put it into perspective for you. It was shot in only one week for $15,000, all shot on short ends. Now, his most successful film would probably, in my opinion, would probably have to be Vice Academy from 1989. Vice Academy stars Linnea Quigley and Ginger Lynn Allen uh, with her attempt to try to get out of the porn industry and do quote-unquote legit films. They're both uh, cadets trying to graduate from the police academy. Um, And so you can pretty much guess what this movie's trying to cash in on. Uh, The popularity of this film was due to it being uh, consistently shown on USA Up All Night back in the late 80s. Uh, This film was so popular that Sloan made five sequels. Only parts one and two have Ginger Lynn and Linnea in them. I even remember the first time I had seen anything about this movie uh, when it when they showed clips of it on the popular late night entertainment news show called Entertainment Tonight, which ironically was a segment new segment about uh, scream queens at the time, and they also showed clips from Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, the scene where Linnea Quigley's dancing naked with chainsaws, but she had um, body paint up and down her chest that covered her boobs. But she was still naked, and I don't think the uh, people in Entertainment re- uh, Entertainment Tonight realized Linnea Quigley was technically topless in the scenes that they showed on national television. Vice Academy is the film I best known Rick Sloan for, but for the most, uh, but for most people, it ended up being Hobgoblins. Uh, the Mystery Science Theater three thousand episode is probably one of the funniest episodes out there, and I highly highly recommend checking that one out. <clears throat> Uh, thanks to MST3K, it lifted the film into cult status, so much so that Rick came back to filmmaking after being out of the business for about 10 years to make Hobgoblins 2, which basically he just remade the first movie. Rick Sloan made them fast and cheap, and the films show it, but he would, but he should get a lot of credit for continuing to make his art despite harsh critical notices. He often said he made his films the way he did on purpose as as they as the way he wanted to see them. So for this insane's picks hall of fame, we induct director, producer, writer, Rick Sloan. Ricky. And sadly, it's time to conclude another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. After all, it's definitely way past grandma's bedtime. So thanks th- thanks for listening, everybody, and a special thanks out there to the attackers for supporting the show and keeping it going. They're so cool. They are cool. So we will talk to you all again next time on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.